Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 15, and this is Dream Travel Destinations. We're going to share with you places we haven't been and we really want to go to. And as usual, this is one of your hosts, Scott Coates, recording from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and with me is my partner in crime, Trevor Range is here from Bangkok, Thailand. Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's funny. You move around so much that my wife naturally asked today. She's like, where is Trevor now? Is he still in Bangkok? She's like, it's been almost two months, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't stay put for very long. And, uh, and I heard that you guys are going to Phnom Penh for Christmas and I am going to meet you there. It sounds like Christmas Day or when are you going to make it there? Yeah, I'll be there right around Christmas. And uh, I know that one of the places that's on our dream travel destination list uh, is in Cambodia. And I was trying to get you to, to go visit that on this trip, but I'm not sure that we're going to make it up there yet, are we? Before we get too, too far into this one, let's thank our sponsor is Four Rivers Floating Lodge. They're like kind of like tented houses, a dozen of them that float on the Tatai River, which is a Thai border uh, near the place called Kok Kong on the Thai border there. And uh, Trevor, why don't you tell us a bit more about what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, today we're going to talk about our dream travel destinations. And uh, as many of our listeners may already know, uh, both of our careers have been mostly travel related. And you and I have visited probably far more destinations than the average traveler, yet we really haven't seen it all. Um, people often are shocked when they hear that, oh my God, you haven't been to this place or that place. But you know, as a travel writer, I usually go to destinations that people pay me to go to. Mm -hmm. And when it's, when it's time for a holiday, I don't necessarily really want to travel. I want to stay home and do laundry and stuff like that. So there's lots of places that I'm still dying to get to that I haven't been to that I, I think I need to make a, a better effort to, to visit. Yeah, it is funny. You know, I, I owned a travel company for nearly 14 years and there's places still in Thailand where I lived and was at least far far north of the country a place called Nan like it took me literally 14 years to get there and there's that no matter how long you spend somewhere you're never going to see it all because you'll start to learn of new places and destinations. perspective that they're only going to see so much and expect that there's always going to be stuff you still want to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've never been to Nan or Payao, some of those provinces along the, the Lao border in, in northern Thailand that are supposed to be just beautiful. And, mm. and Loi is another province along the Lao border that, that I've never been to. Uh, there's just a lot of beautiful places in Asia that uh, we really should try and go see. So one of those is actually in Laos. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about our first destination? Yeah, and this one goes back, I'd say, at least eight years ago for me. It's called Sipandon, which which means 4,000 islands. And it's in the far southern bit of Laos, very close to the border with Cambodia. And uh, it's where the Mekong River splits. And depending on kind of how high the level 
of the water is, you can literally, I don't know if there's actually 4,000, but all these little rocks and islands pop up and just scattered through the Mekong. And some are smaller than others. And I was sitting, yeah, probably eight years ago with a guy named Mason Florence. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, kind of, what's sort of an unknown spot that you're really uh, sweet with? And he mentioned it. And then someone else mentioned it. And ever since then, I've been like, being this year and maybe in the rainy season, actually, I'll hopefully get there. But what I'd really like to do, bike over little bamboo bridges from island to island, and then you just sit and relax and watch it go by Cambodian border all the way to Phnom Penh. I think you've done some of that, right? Yeah, um, I've been to in the, the north easternmost part of Cambodia uh, on the Mekong River just across the, the south side of the Lao border. Oh, really? And it's spectacularly beautiful. And the, the Mekong River is actually at its widest point in that 4,000 regions area. So I imagine it's even, yeah, it's, it's probably even more beautiful in the Lao area than in the Cambodia area. But the Cambodian side of the river also has like lots of little islands and it's gorgeous. I went up there to go see the Irrawaddy dolphins uh, as part of a, a, a homestay program. Um, you want to tell so tell people about the dolphins up there? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about them, but I know there's freshwater dolphins, and they can be and you can see them in little boats, and they're fairly abundant. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be really uh, with you, and you're like, wow, there's 3G phone reception up here. You were like sitting in a super remote spot with be connected to. Uh, civilization i guess yeah that was pretty funny because i was staying in just a little hut i don't even think we had electricity but but i was able to update my facebook status from there okay um but again about the dolphins i don't i wouldn't necessarily say that they're abundant because uh right. they're dying off in cambodia and and they believe it's probably due to pesticides now because mm -hmm. they're fairly well protected i mean the, the local people have a lot of respect for the dolphins i i read that in laos the the people call them the fish with breasts and uh, many people believe them to be reincarnated humans who died in the waterfalls there because uh, mm -hmm. there's some really big waterfalls, not like tall waterfalls, but really wide waterfalls in that 4,000 region, 4,000 islands region. So I'm not sure that you can actually travel the Mekong from Laos into Cambodia because of those waterfalls there. Yeah, no, I've heard that you can't actually ride a boat. So you do have to hit land and cross briefly. But I mean, most of the from I think there's little parts you got to get out of boats, but then for the most part, I do believe you can do a lot of it by boat. And I, I'm just fine with the land-boat combo. But I, something about sitting on a little island in the Mekong for a good few days and then slowly meandering my way with the river down to Cambodia, just uh, or down to Phnom Penh, really, really appeals. Yeah, and I've also heard that uh, while it is really quiet, I mean, one of the reasons I love Laos is just because it is so laid back. And, and it's just a place to, to enjoy natural beauty and the, and the, the, the warm hospitality of the Lao people. Um, but there's an island called Don Det that's kind yeah. of a backpacker hangout there. And, and I'm not so mm. sure that it's uh, wild and crazy or just kind of chilled out because I haven't been yet. But, uh, right, but I, right. I definitely would like to go to that region. Uh, and before we move on, one of the reasons I would also love to go to that area is because uh, Wat Pu, which is one of the – it actually is the – first Cambodian temple. I think it marks the, the beginning of, of Hinduism in Cambodian culture, you know, maybe 1500 years ago. And, and mm. that's located just to the north uh, at the beginning of the 4,000 islands area. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, I've seen quite a few pictures that are worth uh, making the trek there. And actually, a lot of people come from north of Sipandong in Laos, visit that temple on the way to Sipandong. Yeah, it's right just south of the, the city of Champasek. And uh, it, it's been written about by 
historians and, and archaeologists uh, ever since its, its discovery several hundred years ago. And, and they say that it's one of the most beautiful temples in, in all Cambodian architecture. So Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's, uh, for our next destination, head to a really remote corner. I know both of us are pretty keen to get into this place, and I'm going to leave you to try and say it. Oh, yeah. All right. You know, it's a uh, Virache National Park in well Ratanakiri, Cambodia. Right. And Ratanakiri is just it's just really, you know, if you're coming south from the 4000 islands and you cross into Cambodia, that province there is called Stung Treng. Mm -hmm. And from Stung Treng, that's actually where the Virache National Park headquarters is okay so if you wanted to so this is actually a great combination like if you were coming from the four thousand islands and you crossed into cambodia provided that that you already had a visa because i'm not sure that you can do visa on arrival there um then you can head from there up into the national park with uh guides from the national park service right but it's still a bit of a trek right you got to head east quite a bit to get to that park oh absolutely i mean this is one of the most remote and undeveloped regions of, of all southeast asia um, Ratanakiri National Park is uh, it's on the border of Cambodia and Vietnam and yeah. Laos and uh, yeah there's not really any roads within the national park even uh, there's a bunch of tribal village groups there's like five different ethnicities that that live mm -hmm. up in that region and uh, they don't really travel by road you know there's some footpaths connecting the villages there's there's a bunch of rivers that cut through the area and so people get around by little small boats and uh, so if you went into the park you probably have to travel by boat and do quite a lot of trekking yeah when i first heard about this place i think i read it online or something and then i went on google earth and zoomed in and yeah you just see this chunk like way this green chunk on the map way up in the far northeastern part of Cambodia and then as you mentioned it's, it's sandwiched by Vietnam and Laos and it just got my imagination it's not like a high mountain area but then a thick jungle you get grasslands I've read that there's tigers still in there Yeah, I mean it would certainly be easy to get lost up in there it's a uh, it's more than 3,000 square kilometers the park and and like you mentioned uh, it's really remote there's there's mountains there's bamboo forest there's uh, savanna um, and with the wildlife, yeah, the park authorities told me that there's still wild elephants, there's tigers, clouded leopards, yeah. freshwater crocodiles, otters, tortoises. I mean, I just have like a laundry list of exotic animals. And, and I asked them like, you know, so how many tigers are there out there? How many elephants? And, and they're like, well, we really don't know because mm -hmm. there's not really anybody out there doing any sort of surveys. I mean, uh, one other thing people should know is that uh, the Ho Chi Minh Trail uh, from the U.S.-Vietnam War cut through this region uh, because... Because, you know, like the, the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong wanted to like sneak through that part of Cambodia to attack U.S. troops uh, farther south. Um, and, and it's just like so, so remote that, you know, we couldn't even get in there. Wow. Um, I was talking to a helicopter pilot uh, who's based in Cambodia and and he flew out there with some American military that were looking for like POW remains. And they bumped into a helicopter of Vietnamese army guys doing the same kind of thing. And uh, it's it's just so so dense and, and so difficult to get around that you know they're, they're still looking for for remains of, of people killed in action right and this is one of only two cambodian asian heritage and i know uh you've mentioned to me before you go in through banlung there's all kinds of wild animals and special notes should be given there's no bathrooms there's no cabins not shower and and you definitely absolutely should have 
a guide local with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't even really do day trips. You can do day trips to go mm-hmm. visit some of the hill tribe villages that are along the rivers. But if you actually want to go into the park, you have to do like a, at least a minimum three night stay um, to get out there. You, you'll spend the night in, in hammocks. Um, there's a possibility that you could spend like the first night uh, doing like a homestay, but like your second and third night, you're going to be sleeping in a hammock that's covered with a mosquito net and maybe a rain fly and uh, make sure you bring your mosquito repellent because it's, it's pretty, pretty bush out there. That's tough too. You know, I've, I've, I've done a lot of trekking, but it's tended to be in places like Nepal or day hikes. But I have, once I can think of, uh, done multi-day like wet rainforest trekking and that is a whole new beast like once your clothes kind of get damp and and stuff you just don't dry out and things you know skin changes colors and gets rashy really quick like that is tricky terrain yeah i think you really wouldn't want to do it in in the monsoon season (laughs) no way the the road up to ben lung is is a lot better than it used to be and you can actually get out to ben lung in the rainy season now but but getting around is pretty tricky i i do most of my exploring in that region on on a motorcycle like off-road dirt bike um and it's just awesome countryside but but virche is really really remote yeah well i don't know when i'm going to get to that one but uh i don't know hopefully in the next few years so for the next one let's stay in Cambodia again, a country that you know tons about from writing guidebooks. And I'm going to make you say this one as well again, Trevor. All right. Hey, you know, uh, one of the cool things, this is another place in Cambodia. And, and mm-hmm. again, people are surprised that I haven't been everywhere, you know. And and the part of it is just because some of these areas are really difficult to get to. And, and when you're on a schedule or you only have 10 days in country, uh, it's tricky to get to some of these places that take more than a day to, to visit. Sure. So our next, our next destination is called Priet Khan, uh, and it's in an area called Kampong Svai. Well done. So I, I, think, I, I think I pronounced Nailed it okay. Priet Khan means the sacred sword, and uh, there's another temple called Priet Khan at the Angkor Archaeological yeah. Park. And uh, both of these temples were built by the same king, Jayavarman VII. Mm-hmm. Um, most people know Jayavarman Seven uh, as the builder right. of the Bayon Temple, and the Bayon Temple is the one with all the the big stone faces all around it. It's some people's favorite temple, and uh, the Bayon Temple is in the center of Angkor Thom, which is also very right. popular yeah. because to get into the city of Angkor Thom, you have to cross these uh, causeway across the moat, and it has the statues of the demons and the gods holding a naga, and you have to pass through a big gate with the big giant stone faces on it. Um, so what, what a lot of people don't know is that this this other city, Priya Khan, is, is actually larger than Angkor Thom. And Angkor Thom's big, right? Because I've cycled and jogged above the wall, and that wall is three kilometers on each side, so it's a significant uh, city on its own. Yeah, it, and you, you can't even really call it a temple because it really was a city. It's a fortified city yeah. with with temples within it, right? Uh-huh. Um, so Priya Khan, which again is larger than Angkor Thom, is, is way out in this remote area of, of central Cambodia. Um, and, and once upon a time, it was actually connected to Angkor by a 120-kilometer-long elevated roadway. Yeah, yeah, and it's... It's kind of weird because if you look at the Angkor Historical Park in Angkor Thom, which is becoming a reasonably well-known temple complex now, and then you just keep going east even further, and you can see the big square moat around, and I'm sure there's got to be some rough dirt roads, but but it's an effort to get there, right? Yeah, you know, and on the map, it looks like you should be able to get there pretty easy, pretty easily, you know? And Bangmilia has definitely uh, become much easier to get to. The roads around there, I mean, the roads in general in Cambodia are getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so many more people 
people are starting to go out to Bangmelia, but going onwards to Priya Khan is a bit more of a mission. Yeah, well, I mean, your temple complexes around the country, and I think for both of us, this is sort of one of the last one, like how much of this thing is preserved. When you look at the, the moat on maps, it looks like a significant, significant complex, but we don't think there's been hardly any restoration go on. It's literally the rainy season, which will kick in and say late June-ish. So before then, like, let's do it. So we're talking about renting some food and, and driving out there. And I'd like to spend, you know, good at least one full night. And uh, Yeah, we were going to do it about six years ago when I was uh, visiting some of the remote temples in that region with uh, Richard from CM Reup Dirt Bikes. And he was really excited to take me out there because we were riding in the middle of the monsoon season and the, it was just rain the whole time and the roads were just muddy and bumpy and, and it was a lot of fun riding through there. But he was he was excited to take me out to Priya Khan because when we did that one, we were going to have to like drive through rice fields and drive through rivers and, and across logs that went over rivers and and unfortunately I had to get back to CM Reap for some urgent business and, and we didn't make it up there. Um, but my notes said, yeah, three to four hours off the main road, uh, just north of Kampong Tom, uh, which is halfway between Phnom Penh and Siem Reap. Um, I spoke to someone recently in Siem Reap about going out there, and, and I think they said in the dry season you could do it like in a four-wheel drive car in, in about four hours. I just love about this conversation is that you've literally written the guidebook on Cambodia. Uh, I used to often get researched ourselves, talking to people at dirt bike companies, talking to guides and, and so forth, to sure you know how to get there. And, and also have a pretty good idea, like once you're there, yeah, we're going to have to do a lot of uh, research for two guys that are well-traveled. Yeah, spending a night out there, I think, is kind of mandatory. If you're taking three or four hours just to get there um, and, and looking at how big it is, I mean, there's a, there's a number of temples that are within the city, right? And we don't know how easy it is to get to those and we don't know what condition they're in. So I, I think we'd want to camp. I don't know if we could camp inside or whether, you know, who knows? I, I think it's going to be a fun adventure. Awesome. Well, I can't wait and let's get it in before the rainy season. So we're talking maybe March, April, May, something like that. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I know the next one on the list is not only a place, but a country I've never even been to. I've only been to the airport in the capital, um, but I was excited to see you put it on the list. So uh, you want to go somewhere in the Philippines? Yeah, you know, I, I've been to Manila but just on like a, a one day stopover. And mm -hmm. uh, again, people are always like, oh my God, you haven't been to the, to the Philippines. And, you know, I love the beach. I love to surf. And so going to the Philippines just seems like such an obvious place for me to have been to already. And, and I haven't, you know, and then people are always saying, oh, you should go to Boracay and how beautiful Boracay is. And I don't know, I'm a little bit skeptical because I, I, I prefer to get to a little bit more off the beaten path places. Um, so recently when I was home in Hawaii, uh, we actually planned a trip to go to the Philippines and uh, to go check out these two islands we're going to talk about now. And, and we unfortunately didn't make it. But now, like, my appetite is totally whetted and I, and I really got to make it to, to these two destinations. So what, what, uh, what's the main impetus to want to go there? Um, just because, again, like, I, I love beautiful islands. I love scuba diving, snorkeling, fishing, surfing. Um, and the, like the first island, which is called Palawan. Um, mm -hmm. I've I, heard of that one. Yeah. Huffington Post recently called it the most beautiful island in the world. <laughs> wow. And uh, in the Condé Nast Traveler's Reader's Choice Awards this year, they named it the top island in the world. So, yeah, you know, and, and from what I understand, it, it's not developed really okay. that much yet you know so I, I think it's probably like a spect i mean just looking at the photos it is spectacularly beautiful the water is crystal clear um i'm sure it's just a, a gorgeous place to go to 
and and the, the tricky part with this trip was that Palawan and this other island, Siargao, um, aren't really that close to each other. Uh, Siargao is about 800 kilometers southeast of, of Manila, and Palawan's more, I think, on the, the, the northwest uh, side of the country. Right, and you're flying, of course, because it's a country of a gazillion islands, right? Yeah, I think you're going to fly into Cebu to go to Siargao. But but again, Siargao, I heard, is just like a great place to go for people who love nature. Uh, one blogger one blogger said that it was a, a place of purity and simplicity. No cheesy restaurants, no tacky shops, no crowded watering holes. Um, another said that it was great for nature lovers, uh, mentioning like white sand beaches, lagoons, sandbars, coral reefs, uh, lots of wildlife, waterfalls. Um, and then, of course, yeah, you mentioned Cloud Nine, which is a, a famous surf break. I, I have heard Siargao is like the most popular place in the Philippines for surfers to go. Um, so that might be kind of a downside because I, I don't necessarily want to surf with crowds. But uh, my friend Schmike, his friend lives in that area and said that, you know, we could hire a boat for the day and we could like drive to the northern coast of the island, I think. And there's pretty much uncrowded surf spots that we could just surf all day. Sounds dreamy. Sounds like a dream. World's greatest island. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a kind of like a get there while you can thing. Yeah, right? very much so. Very much so. Well, good luck getting there. Thanks. Hey, and then there's another island I saw that you put it on the list that I had thought that you went to recently. And I was supposed to have gone there when I was doing uh, research and writing about Bali a couple of years ago. But, but you said that you have not yet been to Lombok. Yeah, and, and I mean, Lombok within traveler circles, is the name is certainly well-known. I always think it sounds like one of the more exotic names, Lombok. And I was surprised that you had actually not been there because you've been to Bali. And then I know you've been to the Gili Islands, which are literally like a stone's throw almost from Lombok. But uh, I have only been to Indonesia once. And last year I went to uh, Jogjakarta and some of the temples like Borobudur around there. And I got really excited about Indonesia. And of course... It's a huge country of so many islands, but Lombok uh, just looks fantastic. And a couple of things that really appeal to me is I've heard the beaches are really nice. I've heard it's laid back. And I, I've i surfed, like trying to learn to surf in Hawaii when I was living there. And then last uh, December in 2013, my wife and I went to Weligama in southern Sri Lanka to a real beginner spot to surf. And I've heard that the west coast of Lombok has some really easy breaks that are good for very beginner surfers. So I'd like to go not only experience a new country and culture and island, but, you know, dip my feet literally in the water and try surfing again. And then I know that they have a pretty significant volcano there. So um, that's fairly significantly high. You must be able to see it from everywhere on the island. So I think you need at least two, three nights and you kind of meander through all the the different ecosystem. Like, yeah, I, I really want to go to Lombok. Yeah, the volcano is actually Rinjani. Oh, really? But, uh, yeah, but you can see it from everywhere. I mean, you can see it from the top of the volcanoes over on Bali. And uh, I know that, that doing the trek up in Rinjani is one of the top things to do on Lombok. And, and again, it's going to take you a couple of days. You can't just be like, oh, let's go on a day trip to, to climb a volcano, you know? So I think one of the things with Lombok is you do need to give it some time if you want to explore because... Um, although it's about the same size as Bali, okay. um, the roads connecting the different parts of the island aren't um, as, they're not as widespread. There's not as many roads and, and it's not as easy to get around, you know? So like you were saying on the West Coast, I think that the some of the good surf is in the, the southwest part of the island. And I heard that's a, a bit trickier to get to. And, uh, and I've also heard that, yeah, there is some good beginner surfing, but there's also some like sick, like good experienced surf breaks, you know? And, uh, 
yeah, it, I, it's on my list. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to spend a couple of months there, really, and uh, and that project just kind of got got put on the shelf for a while. So maybe we'll we'll get that started up again, and you can tag along. I'd love to, yeah. And I know weather is a big thing, and I, I kind of after living in Thailand and thinking beach for so long, always equated sort of late November to May is dry, but it's not there. So like right now, you're heading into the wet season in Lombok. And my parents come this time of year, so they've wanted to go, but we never go because it's hammering rain until the end of March. And I also the year, so if people are listening, they they think of doing it, you definitely want to research the time of year you go as a meter. So you can feel the effects of altitude, and then with that, you can also have serious weather changes. I, I'd love to get there in 2015. Yeah, you know, and you're lucky because in KL they have direct flights on AirAsia yeah. from from Kuala Lumpur to Lombok. Because uh, I think most other people are probably going to have to to mm. start in Bali, you know, and 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 then Bali can be very distracting, right? And then of course on, on the secret beaches and islands episode, we talked about the Nusa Lembongan, the island in, in between uh, Bali and Lombok, and and that's such a great place to go. So uh, it, there's a lot of distractions along the road to Lombok, and which is one reason why I haven't been there, of course. Yeah, well, I'll just probably hopefully jump on the plane and go straight there. But uh, maybe we can hook up there, too. There's a theme of us meeting in the same place. Yeah. Hey, so do you want to just quickly mention a couple other places that uh, are on our short list? Yeah, you know, one that I, I, I don't even know that much about. It's called uh, Putao, Myanmar. And uh, I was lucky enough with my last business to do a fair amount of trekking and, and trips in Nepal. And, you know, they, they tended to obviously... We'd have trekking components multiple days, maybe up to a week in the Himalayas and around them. And my business partner at the time and I got talking about Myanmar because uh, two guys there that run a tented camp and a bungee jump pioneered whitewater rafting on a, a number of rivers in Myanmar. Oh, yeah? And yeah, and then they mentioned Putao in northern Myanmar. And basically, if one thing a lot of people don't realize about Myanmar is how big the country is, and especially south to north. Like... It is on the Andaman Sea in, you know, super tropical waters. And I believe you have to be kind of on a group tour to go up there. So you fly way north in the country, Kakabo, I believe, Razi. And this is Southeast Asia's highest peak. It's 5889. And I saw a program years ago that you can do. It's about a 10-day trek. You end up at about 3,900 meters. But as much as seeing the mountains and that side of the Himalayas, I just, I, I can't even really visualize the peak. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with almost everything you said. Like people don't realize how large the country is and how far north it goes compared to, to neighboring Thailand. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so I mean, I've seen actually it was Michael Palin from Monty Python. He has like a travel channel or travel show yeah. where he travels around the world. Yeah. And I remember he was up in that area and just seeing like the Himalayas. You can see the Himalaya mountains from that part of Myanmar and just the mountains looked spectacular. And then, of course, like most areas of Myanmar, they're not really open to tourists so any of these areas i think that you could go to that have not really been open to, to mass market tourism at all are probably just spectacular experiences you know just to, just mingling with people who who aren't accustomed to to seeing foreigners and seeing this part of the world that is still untouched by the developed world yeah and as much as you read about myanmar opening up to tourism like I don't think this area is going to be on the the, the mainstream travel list no, anytime long, soon. Because as I said, I, I, not only do you have to do a tour, but I think it's like a three four hour flight up there. Like it, it's long. Like it is it is out there. So yeah, if you go there, I don't think you're bumping into too many other travelers. Uh, so why don't I throw it back yeah. to you? How about uh, another one from you, Trevor? Well, I think 
if, if we stay in Myanmar, I mean, like, I would love to go up to that part of the, to the country as well. But um, what might actually start to develop a little bit more quickly is the coastal areas of Myanmar. Oh, yeah. And I don't really even, I don't even know the names of any of the beaches. But I mean, if you look at a map of, of the coastal Andaman, Myanmar, there's like a thousand islands. There's maybe there's thousands of islands. I mean, compared to Thailand, Myanmar has way, way, way more islands to, to explore and visit and, and as of yet I think it's difficult to get to a lot of those but some of them I'm sure we can and should try to check out you know yeah with the Canadian ambassador to Thailand and he showed us some pictures from a beach vacation uh, super clean and and you know there was a few nice comfortable spots to stay but one area of that country that's not really open up are all those islands like way uh, in the Andaman like if you just go and see there that must just be absolutely unbelievable yeah, well, you know where there is, because if we're just trying to wrap up here and do a couple of last minute ones really quickly, uh, I still have yet to be to the Surin Islands. The Surin Islands are the northernmost islands in Thailand before we get to this area of Myanmar. And the, Sur the Surin Islands is a national park, and uh, they have the Mokin, the sea gypsies that still live there. And uh, my friend Bodhi and uh, his organization, Andaman Discoveries, they do like a, a homestay, if you will, with, the with these Mokin uh, nomads hunter-gatherer fishing folk uh, on the Surin Islands where you camp uh, in the national park and then during the day you go out in boats and you learn to spearfish and and it just looks so beautiful there and it looks like such a really great experience. Yeah that'd be a super super uh, cool area to go and then I saw another on your list that actually you have Yunnan on your list and I've gotten to know a number of people from Yunnan. There's lots of hill tribe groups there so yeah you know I went when I did the Asia Pacific Leadership Program and we did our China field study uh, me and Noak and Sophia went to Yunnan for a week and explored a little bit, but it, it's a really big province and there's a lot of different things to go and see and do there. And, and it was so beautiful, the areas that we explored. And while reading about the other places I could see on a map while we were traveling through the province, uh, I think there's a lot more there to, to see and do. Yeah, well, man, uh, I am excited and unfortunately don't have time to travel to any of these in the next little while. But uh, we've got a great list there. Some of them, I think I'm going to do a couple this year. I think I'll probably make it to 4,000 Islands, maybe in the rainy season. So maybe around July or August. And then uh, we're going to do uh, the big temple in the middle of the jungle in Cambodia before June, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Trevor. Anything you want to throw in before we sign off? Um, no, you know, I mean... If, if anyone has been to any of these locations and has some really great advice for, uh, you know, particularly maybe where to stay or eat or, or know somebody who lives in, in one of these destinations, uh, feel free to shoot us a line and give us some tips because uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. Great photos. Uh, we'd love to see them too. So thank you very much for listening to Talk Travel Asia. This is Trevor Ranges from Bangkok saying we hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and 